In a world where two men with nothing better to do start a podcast. Discussing the pop topics of today, tomorrow, but mostly yesterday. Pop 5 Podcast is brought to you by Fear the Gaming Dead and Groovy Dude. And this time, they made business. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Pop 5 Podcast. It has certainly been a long time, and we appreciate you being patient and uh, coming back with us for the start of this. Uh, Well, not the start of this, but the... uh, Right in the middle of it, and th- this is an episode that uh, that required taking such a long time because it it's going to be it's going to be For a one full of episode. Yeah. For one of us, <laughs> it, it took me until the last minute to fully decide on on my list because this is something that is very near and dear to my heart. So let's go ahead and uh, introduce <laughs> ourselves. I, of course, am Groovy Dude, and with me, as always, is... Hey, 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 kids. I am Fear the Gaming Dead. Yes, yes, yes. We are both here, and we are glad you're here, too. It's uh, yes. It's a nice summer night. It is Juneteenth, June 19th. The first national holiday, first time national Should holiday. And uh, what is it? What did I see the tweet? It's the it's the first national holiday that is illegal to teach in fifteen states, I believe. Trevor Noah tweeted that. Uh, I'm going to attribute him. I believe that was him. Of course, Great. it is. It is tongue in cheek, but Great, not I'm far blind. off. But not far off. My eyes just rolled so far back in my head. I'm blind. <laughs> yeah. It's not that far off, but it's not. <laughs> oh, well, hold on. Uh, did you hear about this one, sir? The American bishops have voted that if you support abortion, you cannot get communion in the Catholic Church. Oh, well, shit. Fuck these motherfuckers. Let's see, how many, <laughs> how many times did I get communion growing up? Oh, uh-oh. Now you gotta go all back, man. You gotta go throw your freaking hell Does this mean I'm going to hell? I've heard it's nice there. Honestly, yeah. I'd I'd rather be with the sinners than cry with the saints, to I, be honest with you. If I believed in a hell, I would be worried. Yeah, sinners are much more fun, man. Sinners are much yes. more fun. Thank you, Billy Joel. <laughs> Come on, man. The devil can't be that bad. I mean, he might be an asshole, but I'm kind of hoping he's more like Lucifer from the TV show if there is an actual hell. Yeah. yeah well, I, I don't know. we'll see. I haven't, I haven't seen it. I'm hoping for ghosthood. There's a lot of people I'd love to haunt. And I've always wanted the ability to fly and have invisibility. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think flying is definitely my invisibility of flight. If you could only pick one, like if you had one super, if you get one superpower, invisibility or flight, I think I'm going, I think I'm going invisibility. I would go flight all day. Just, I am somebody that wants to see the world and to be able to have the ability to basically be like, I don't need a fucking pay for flight travel. I can just, you think you have to, if you're invisible, 
Yeah, but I mean, you still got a way to get past security. You got to be pretty mean? stealthy You're about invisible. it. Yeah, but I mean, if you try going through the friggin' detectors and shit with anything in your pocket, it's why still going to set go, off. Why would you go through the detector? Yeah, but then you got to go under ropes and shit. You got to be very stealthy. Don't get me wrong. I, If I could pick invisibility, first thing I would do, try to go find out what's in Area 51. First thing. There you go. I'd probably, or Hangar 18. See, I'd probably just go to every... Uh, Every ballpark. Uh, well, we've been trying to do that. We got to finish that. Yeah. Can't believe it. driven by driven by Chavez Ravine, the Dodger Stadium. Anywho, you could watch the game with an aerial view. Well, that's true. Mm. Yeah, but that, that sucks. You never get a ball up there. That's not true. You could fly and catch the home run. <laughs> then they would see you. Yeah, but what are they going to do? Charge you a ticket? You're not taking up a seat. Uh, <laughs> MLB would find you. It's not yeah, like so would the NFL. Not like it's hard to find you. The downside is, though, <clears throat> would not work for dome stadiums. Dome Depot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, anything else before we get into the sports talk of the week? Um, nah, I think that doesn't know. <laughs> All right, so it has been some time since our last uh episode, and in that time, the Bruin season has come to an unfortunate end at the hand of the New York Islanders, who are now locked up in a duel with the Tampa Bay. Uh, lightning. Uh, I believe the series is now tied two to two. So looks like uh, looks like uh, it's, it's a good matchup. You're gonna you're gonna go down to the wire. I am rooting for Tampa Bay in that. But I think overall, I am rooting for uh, the Vegas Golden Knights because, of course, I do not want Montreal. Yeah. No. 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 Uh, so they're going to be. I mean, this of, with all respect, but fuck Montreal. Yeah, I just I, <laughs> like I said before, the, I I am going to be more open, not hate on teams as much, but there are still a few teams that that is not changing from, and Montreal is one of them. Dude, we we went to a game where out of nowhere and for uh, pretty much no reason and in. T- team fight broke out in the corner and it was basically because somebody didn't like a hit someone laid on the other person and it wasn't even like it wasn't illegal it was just a good hit I'll never forget all went at it I loved I'll, it I'll never forget the moment in that game that Lucic gets out of the box for fighting and immediately <laughs> goes to Mike Camilleri and just pulls him down from behind because he's yep. going after somebody it was like yes that's what oh, I love to see. Dude, it's because he took somebody down from behind and like slid into a wall with him. So as soon as Lucic got out of the box, did the exact same thing to yep. him and drove his head into the boards. It's one of those moments where you'd normally be like, oh my God. But when you're a but, hockey but fan. Anyone, and anyone who sees, who saw what happened, because maybe you didn't see what happened and you just see Lucic coming out of the box, going at somebody. No, was there deserved. was a reason. Yeah, it was deserved. The oh. only thing better would have been no that was the best way to do it i would have taken him kicking the shit out of him too but no lucic is quite happy with what he did after the penalty he got again 
the other thing about that game is that was our that was our second game in in the day. We had gone to the the Red Sox game the the in the afternoon. Yeah, God walked, bless scalpers, man. Walked from Fenway to to the Garden and paid a little bit more than we were planning to, just so we could sit down. Uh, we were one of the best seats I've ever had. Like six rows from the ice? Six or seven rows up from yeah. the glass. I mean, we were in the Montreal section. Yeah, but it made it sweeter was, when we won that game. Oh, we yeah. won the multiple five. We kicked the shit out of them. Yeah. Also, the Montreal fans cool. around us weren't obnoxious assholes, most of them. No, they were... There were some. They took it jovially. Yes. Uh, but yeah, there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of changes this coming season. Uh, contracts will expire, and I just hope that we have not seen the last of Krejci and Tuka in Bruins sweater. I hope we get Krejci back. Yeah. So the Red Sox are now tied for first with Tampa Bay. Uh, they have gone six and four in their last uh, ten games, and the uh, Tampa Bay have gone uh, five and five, which is a bit surprising. They were on such a, a hot streak; they, they just never seem to lose. But they've lost yeah, four in a row right now. Happens. It's got to break eventually, and usually when it does, who it the bottom really drops it, out. It really is just a. I mean, it is. It is still mid-June, so there is still plenty of time. But right now, it seems to be a two-team race for the AL East. Uh, the Yankees are five or five and a half games out right now. So, I mean, not... Yeah, five and a half games out is nothing. Right. They could definitely get back in it. But right now, that just seems to be where it, where it's at. Yeah, I'm going to say something I haven't said in a while. It's going to feel great. Yankees suck. Yes. Yes, they do. Yeah, especially, I mean, this year, they, they were expected to be so much better the, than they are. They, with Garrett Cole and, uh, I mean, Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, they, they should be on top of the, uh, the division, but... Baseball used to be one of those games, man, where you could prove money could not buy a championship. But that was back when you played more small ball and team chemistry mattered more. Well, the way the game is played now, it's it really is almost like anybody can win it. It's 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 definitely a different game than when we were growing when we were growing up. Now it's just all about launch angles and home runs and the strikeouts don't the people don't care about strikeouts as much as as hitters. So they they're willing to just swing at everything and try to hit that home run. And like I said, don't care about striking out. See, I don't watch it much more these days, but it sounds like a perfect place for Adam Dunn to be. Yeah, he was apparently ahead of his generation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> well, they're also cracking down now on substances in the game uh, on pitchers, which to an extent I agree with, but they took it too far. They they've outright banned like everything where they should be allowing pitchers things to get a grip on the ball. 
not to not to affect the spin rate or make it sticky or anything like that, but just their grip. Like it, it, and it and it's something that should be naturally on you, like sunscreen or uh, the bullfrog oh. stuff that they use. Got a ginger starter in the sun. My God. Right. The humanity. <laughs> but no, they've cracked down on everything. So they're not even allowing that. We'll see as more people get hurt uh, what they do about it. And this is like universally hated by pretty much everyone in baseball, too. It's not like it's just some people. It's pretty much everyone hates this. Yeah, I mean... I don't know if this would be an unpopular opinion, but uh, baseball was pretty exciting when people were on steroids. Yeah. Um, No offense, but I mean, you can cheat on both sides of it. I almost just say for the sake of the game and kind of saving it in the eye of the public, Mm -hmm. fuck it. Let them use shit. Yep. Honestly, let's see how inventive they get. As long as they're not doing anything that's going to actually cause bodily harm, some kind of infection, yeah, something that's going to be dangerous to the game. Right. Fuck it, they want pine tar on the ball. Don't give a damn. Well, I want to see how much he can make it move. To be honest with you, right? I mean, eighteen-inch breaks and one hundred and two mile an hour fastballs—that's fun to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Hell, man, there's a reason people like wiffle ball. Mm-hmm. You could fucking throw a twelve to six, and it's going to drop six feet. <laughs> Let me uh, let me open this back up real quick and check. We're also recording this in the middle of Game Seven of the uh, Eastern Conference Semifinals. Oh, and it has gone sucks. to overtime. KD looks upset about something. Let's see. Oh, there is point three seconds left. Milwaukee is up 113 to 111. As I'm sure most of you know, Kyrie Irving continues to show his great ability to get hurt. And with the x-rays back negative, he'll continue to show his toughness from the sidelines. It looks like this is is the end of the road for Brooklyn, though, unless a miracle happens in this point three seconds. Is that really all that's left already? Yep. We missed all of overtime. (laughs) Damn, man. Thank God. Goodbye, Brooklyn. I love the city of New York. I hate every single damn team. Yep. Yep. Could not agree more. Yep. Cheers to the fall of Brooklyn. Who has who has the ball? That's what I just can't tell. I'm drinking coffee, Brady and milk. Coca-Cola. Milwaukee has the ball. With real Coke. And game over. So it will be Milwaukee versus uh, either Atlanta. Did Atlanta win their series or is it Atlanta versus uh, Philly still? You're asking a man that has not watched basketball in 20 years. (laughs) I don't like the sport. I mean, I love the no, sport. I don't like the way it's done in the NBA. That's understandable. All right. I absolutely love the sport. All right. Well, that's all I've got for sports right now. And uh, 
both of us need to catch up on AEW, so we will have a bigger update on AEW for our next episode. Yes, we will. All right, on to the pop news of the week. We are now on to week two of the hit Disney Plus series, Loki. Uh, It debuted on last Wednesday, uh, and it was the most watched debut episode in the short history of Disney Plus. I haven't seen it. Oh, you're going to watch it. It is fantastic. It is heavy on Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson. (laughs) I love uh, Owen Wilson. I love the MCU. Have not gotten past second episode of WandaVision. What is wrong with you? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you got to sit down and watch. Yeah, probably should. I've been trying to watch Bad Batch. I'm still two episodes behind on that. It's been all Mass Effect, man. See that I'm not I'm not uh, in a bad batch because I didn't watch Clone Wars. Oh, you you're missing out. You need to watch Clone Wars. Yes. I'm telling you, you watch Clone Wars and you go back and watch Order sixty six in the movies, you're gonna cry. Oh, I'm sure. I do already. Oh, you'll cry. Ooh, dude, I'm gonna tell you, it makes Plo Koon's death Ooh, makes it give a real big different feel. All of them, technically, but ha. Yeah, don't watch it anyway. The whole thing's badass. The minute Darth Maul comes into that, oh. Oh, if you have a hard time, start from season three. Right. (laughs) Anything else you have for pop pop for me? Uh, I have Bethesda. I have some E3 news since uh, it's been a little while. Um, Obviously, Starfield's still over a year away. Skyrim in space. Hope it's good. I'm excited for that Han Solo generator. Right? Count me in. Now, what bugs me? We were teased Elder Scrolls 6 two years ago, and since then we have had absolutely no news. Yeah. I am absolutely beginning to think that Bethesda has ghosted us. Um, I, I, I don't know. Maybe someday we'll hear back. We will. We will. Anything worth doing is worth doing right, and I'm sure they're just waiting they know as soon as they release anything about it that it is going to get picked apart to no end. So they want to make sure when they put something out that it's that it's ready. And yeah. I'm okay with that. A lot of people give Skyrim credit, and I'll give you, there's a lot of good stuff in that game, but go back and play Oblivion. And I'm going to tell you right now, that is actually a lot more interactive. So I mean, none of the Skyrim NPCs more. in Skyrim talk to you. Every single NPC you run into in Oblivion mm-hmm. has some opinion to say. That's true. The missions are more because, like, what is it? Uh, every mission in the Dark Brotherhood is just go kill this person. And this one, it can literally be like, okay, you can kill them and we'll pay you this much, but the contract is willing to pay you more if you crawl into the friggin', you know, crawl space, undo the fucking moose head that's up on the wall and drop it on him on the chair. Mm-hmm. That was fun. I don't know. I love Skyrim, but I'm hoping it's a mix of the two, if it ever does come out. I'm sure it will. Speaking of coming out, I'm also hoping for Mass Effect 4 or 5, depending on if you count Andromeda on in there. We've also got uh, Halo Infinite uh, coming out, and uh, yep. the, the multiplayer for that is going to be free to play, which yeah. uh, is exciting as hell. Cause, nice. I mean, I'm all about the multiplayer. 
I, when it comes, I mean, Halo, don't get me wrong. I love the storyline of Halo 2. Master Chief is fantastic. Uh, the Halo Reach storyline was incredible. Uh, so I am excited for the Halo Infinite storyline as well. But to be able to play uh, multiplayer day one with your friends for free, that's exciting. No, I, I will admit, I absolutely love story modes, but Halo has always been the multiplayer to play with your friends. Mm-hmm. But I am looking for the return, <clears throat> looking forward to the return of local co-op play, which has been rumored to be coming out shortly after or upon release of Dark Alliance on Tuesday. I'm pre we're pre-downloading that as we speak. I pre-downloaded it two weeks ago. Well, I when didn't they know lectured. I could. No, I am embarrassed, <laughs> dude, because if I had, I was singing at that time, sweet, I'll get to play. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Don't know why it was out that early. That's all right. But at yeah. least it's on there. Well, the other, the other exciting thing that comes out on Tuesday is the new update for Sea of Thieves, which is brings in the Pirates of the Caribbean characters. So Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow will be in Sea of Thieves game, and that is a free update for everyone on Tuesday. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is the tale of Captain, Captain Jack, Jack Sparrow. Pirate so brave in the seven seas. Seven, yep, seven seas, but now five oceans. Hmm. I don't know the next line, but I love that song. <laughs> uh, mystical quest to the Isle of Tortuga. His uh, Ravenlock sway on the ocean's breeze. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Back in the club, buying up the boss of the goopy show us love. Oh, thank you, Lonely Island. And thank you, Michael Bolton. <laughs> Now back to the good part. <laughs> oh my God, that's something we need to add into the show because we tail off a lot. <laughs> right. <clears throat> uh, I got Star Wars rumors of Barris Offrey. You would not know who this is. You need to watch Clone Wars. So when she comes to live action, you know who this is. I don't know if we're streaming this, but I'm getting closer to the camera. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, not streaming. Hey, recording. Hey, did you watch Mandal? You've seen Mandalorian, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, you're going to be planning to watch the Boba Fett show, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, before the Ahsoka show, Kenobi? Yep. Before Kenobi and Ahsoka comes out, you need to finish Clone Wars, because otherwise you're going to be missing out on a lot of stuff, I guarantee it. I know, I know I need to watch Clone Wars. Like I said, man, if you have to start from season three, it's got seven seasons in it, and that's where it really picks up. Like I said, once Darth Maul comes in, it really stops being a kid show, and I love it. See, we'll watch that together and we'll watch Curb Your Enthusiasm together. Yeah, there was a show you were supposed to watch while I watched Curb Your Enthusiasm. I we thought it was Clone Wars. Was it? What else would it be? I feel like it might have been Broadchurch. No, you've never mentioned that one. Okay, we'll watch Clone Wars together because you're going to love that. I'm going right. for that. Yeah, the other exciting game uh, that I'm excited for, or somewhat excited for until I saw the gameplay, really, was the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy game that's coming out. It looks like it's more a uh, like a Peter Quill or Star-Lord 
game where like he's the only one you're playing as. I hope that I hope that's not the case where you can play as others. But I, I believe you can play as others because I heard okay. a lot of people were praising the gameplay of that, but I I didn't see the E3 thing. Right. I see. I think maybe I just listened to the wrong people. I do think it is a bit Star Lord heavy or something like that. Or there's something about your you'll feel like his powers are kind of either repetitive or underwhelming or something. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Same. It's worth checking out. Yep. Um, what else? We got uh D D coming out with a Fey adventure, which would be awesome because they do not have enough Fey creatures for how many times I'm sure most UDMs and players have gone to the Fey Wilds. Uh, I've had to make a lot of creatures up out of my ass, and one of them was actually I called an owlkin, which is really yeah. funny because about three months ago they came out with the owl folk. <laughs> well, I'm now using in my campaign, and I love it. Uh, they also have a new Magic the Gathering book, and uh, I got some local news. Um, Mass Man was nearly eaten by a whale. Allegedly. Allegedly. They say allegedly the man was. Uh, he, was a, he was a lobsterman off of uh, Provincetown. Yep, he was a lobsterman, and apparently he must have got caught in a path of krill or fish. The whale nearly swallowed the Jonah there. and uh, But apparently... My name is Jonas. I mean, we hunt them, but apparently he had second thoughts and spat the man out. See, See is he uh, Ishmael or is he Jonas? Uh, well, I don't know. I don't think either one of them actually escaped. Geppetto? They, Geppetto? No, Pinocchio? <laughs> there we go. Yeah, no, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Like At least in my eyes, because like <laughs> we're so here we go get on my soapbox here. We're so quick to believe him in this, like without any evidence. But oh, where's the evidence that uh, that this person touched you or all this? We just have to take your word for it. See, we're, I think the reason people are more open to this one is just because it's a tall tale, and it's uh-huh. a lot more fun. Well, I yeah. mean, who's not going to be like a dude was spit out by a whale? Well, that's why I, I don't know. I'm not so quick to buy into it. I wish no. I were. I'm I wish throwing I were that into my campaign. I'm throwing that into my campaign with somebody. I mean, I somebody's that thought never crossed my mind. Yep. Yeah. Well, they'll probably run into somebody swallowed by a whale, but I think I'm going to have one of them probably get swallowed by the Gyarados-like monster I've homebrewed for them this week. I really hope none of them watch this podcast before Wednesday. I immediately regret saying that. Fuck. Uh, (laughs) We'll see. I'm just kidding. This is an illusion. Yes. You didn't hear anything. (laughs) All right. Well, do you have anything else before we go on to our topic of the day? Uh, I do have uh, a new topic uh, this week in the GOP. Those who investigated Benghazi 10 times don't believe the Capitol riots are worth looking into. Political mm-hmm. assassination and hypocrisy they're fine with, but political suicide, not so much. Second, because it's been so long, I've decided to put in two this week. Arizona ballots have been taken to Ted Kaczynski's secure cabin in Montana for further analysis into Chinese interference in the 2020 presidential election. The whole thing... I've just been I've, try, I've been trying to turn it off just tune out I mean I'm for just once. happy for that once. like I, I never usually do I'm always the most informed but I'm trying to just stay happy for a bit 
see, that's the problem, though. Is it so ridiculous? You're gonna have people that just can't. Fu- it's my happy pills. Yeah, just fucking pushed off, dude. Like, but I'm just happy that even somewhat middle Republicans at this point are kind of like. I mean, we've gone from bamboo fibers to bringing them to the Unabomber's cabin. Um, yeah. I mean, what what are they doing at this point? I'm just what's I'm the just, plan? Just I'm never just release them again with the Republicans. <laughs> I can't take it. I can't take it anymore. Uh, we're gonna see where that goes, man. Because honestly, Democrats gotta stop fucking work with them. Just fucking put the goddamn yep. boot on the throat. God damn it. Yep. 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 I know the actors suck, but we need a Frank Underwood fucking Democrat who's willing to slit throats. Uh, yeah. God damn it. Oh, I, also, also, I need to run for office. I wanted to bring in a, uh, a new segment before we get to the, uh, the topic of the day. Well, we also the, have the D&D tip of the week. Game of the week. Okay. We're going mm. to... So this is a little idea based on the uh, Six Degrees from Kevin Bacon, where we will challenge our... Uh, our friends, uh, the others, the other co-hosts, to get from one actor to another in six degrees or less. So, like for example, like getting from uh, Steve Martin to Will Ferrell, uh, which would let's see, could probably do it in. Uh, Oh, I don't know. That was just an example thrown out there, but but that's an idea of, <laughs> of how the game is going to play. We'll have to study some movies for that one. So yeah, that's going to be the new segment. All right. Uh, your D&D tip of the week this week goes to DMs out there. And it's uh, those <clears throat> who are sick of their big bad monsters getting wrecked in two to three rounds. And this all comes down to the idea of action economy. Think about it like this. You got a party of five, all level 10. You got a fighter, a barbarian, a cleric, a paladin, and a rogue. They can make up to eight attacks just using their action, 13 if you include bonus action rounds. Compared to a CR23 Kraken, who using legendary actions can still only make six attacks. This is why your goddamn monsters get pwned. You need to throw in some fodder. You either throw in a bunch of fodder or you need to put in at least two, you know, three mid guys to try to even it off. And don't overdo it. You can literally make fodder a one HP fucking thing. Take the rule from 4E when it comes to, you know, having a mass group of people. You give them one HP, you give them evasion. And basically, if they make the deck save, they live. If they don't, they die. If they get hit, they die. They're in and out, and you can just keep them swarming. That's my D&D tip of the week. You want your big bats to last more rounds? You need more action economy. Try to level it off. The CR system is not great over certain levels. You'll find your mid-ground. You feel like your TPK and your team? Pull out. <laughs> there you go. Thank you very much for that. That is definitely some good advice and appreciate the Fear the Gaming Dead D&D tip of the week. More teeth. (laughs) So here we are finally on an episode that is near 
and dear to my heart, my favorite director of all time, filmmaker extraordinaire, Quentin Tarantino. We're here to do the top five characters in the Tarantino-verse. I don't know about you, but this took this took a long time for for me. Three days. Uh, for you? Three days? Three days, yes. Yeah. And I have not I seen as many of them as you have. See, I've seen everything. And I, I didn't know. I, I decided not to do characters that he just wrote, like from True Romance, because as he will be in my honorable mention, though. But there's a specific character in that that is just perfect and <laughs> he needs to be recognized. But without further ado, let me go ahead and kick off. My number five from his directorial debut, Reservoir Dogs, Steve Buscemi, Mr. Pink. Good call. This this was my first time seeing Steve Buscemi in a role like this. Uh, Before then, all I had known him from was the Adam Sandler goofiness, uh, specifically Billy Madison, uh, that scene at the end where Adam calls him up and he just, he puts on the the lipstick and just listens to the music, crosses off, (laughs) crosses off Billy's name off the list. It's like, all right, not going to kill him anymore. (laughs) And also uh, the movie Airheads. His oh my god, that's that's a classic. That's that's a cloud. Brendan Fraser, Adam Sandler, and Steve Buscemi. Yeah, and Joe Montana, uh, Michael McKeon. Anyway, back to that Michael was, McKeon that, was in everything in the nineties. Oh, I know. What happened to him? Michael Richards. Yeah. Uh, but no, that like that was my experience of Steve Buscemi. So then to see him in Reservoir Dogs, which is completely different. And it starts off like right in the beginning, you were introduced to this, who the hell is this guy? Cause it starts off with his pension for, no, nah, I don't believe in tipping. I'm not tipping. And I hate those kind of people. <laughs> I mean, he made, he, his argument though flawed, yeah. though flawed, <laughs> had some good points. Uh, they and should pay them a living wage. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, they sh- argument, that should be done. Yeah. <laughs> but also, it's like, well, why don't I tip the people at McDonald's? Granted, yes, they are being paid more, and that's why you're not tipping them. But they are doing the same thing. It's a no, they service. are not. No, they are not. Do you no, tip no, no, the cooks? No, 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 no. I'm, ta- I'm talking about. I'm talking about uh, uh, like Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, how you give you, them like tips you, so you, you don't put a tip it. jar at McDonald's. Right, right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. No, yeah, that, that's the argument I'm, I'm trying to say. But no, yeah. and, and so yeah, you get right off the bat that he he doesn't believe in tipping. He's definitely his own kind of person. Uh, kind of a dick, but tells it how he tells he you what he's thinking. is a professional, though. He is he a is, professional. Yeah. He is the only one who gets everything done the way it's supposed to be done. I mean, come on. Uh, there's another professional in there, but we'll get to him down the list. Yeah. 
Uh, well, t- maybe that's debatable. Uh, At least, yeah. At least the one I'm thinking. I know, I know who you're talking about, but uh, still, the, this character, he, of course, spoiler alert, winds up with the diamonds, and it's a very ambiguous ending. Uh, whether he gets away or not. Um, I believe that you're meant to believe that he does not get away because you do hear (laughs) the sirens and some gunshots pretty immediately after he does leave. But we don't see him. We don't see the body. Don't see anything like that. And But he's the one who has the diamonds. He's the only one who acts like a professional. He gets out in the end. Out of, the, out of out of the out, he gets out of the building. Uh, it was a little delayed. I was well in the profe- where, where everybody else parts. Yeah, I was Anywho. delayed. I was welling the in, oh, pro, only professional part. <laughs> That's my number five, Mister Pink. My number five is someone I'm a huge fan of. I kind of wish he was real. It's one of the greatest Nazi killers of all time. Sergeant Hugo Stiglitz. May he rest in peace. He took oh. that man's nuts with him now. But yeah, he just ain't here, Nazi balls. I love that movie from top to bottom. I would have gladly joined those men. Yep. Or today, I'll gladly join again. Well, you're not, you I can't. Join. I would jo- yeah, I can't join again, yeah. Well, you couldn't join them anyway. Okay, I'm not Jewish, but I'll still scalp some Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> you just you just can't be a bastard, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, I guess I'm, I, mean, I can live with that. <laughs> yes, I mean, I mean, the entire movie, the guy just has a fucking, I love his attitude. It's, I don't give a fuck. He has just this pissed off, angry attitude. He knows what he wants to do. He's basically got like a, he's got a list of people. And... I just love he's that he's, take he's them sitting all there. He's sitting there sharpening his knife. Michael Fassbender comes up to him. He's like, you know, there shouldn't be any need to need for use of that. And he just casually looks at him. So <laughs> goes back to sharpening it. Does not get. He is. See, he, he is knows someone. What he's doing. Yeah, he is the he definition the of be prepared. He is always ready to kill everyone in the room if need be. And he can do it. He enlisted with the with the German army so he could kill as many Nazis as possible from within. And he was very good. Oh yeah, before being sentenced to death and then being rescued by the bastards. Yes. Very much recruited by the bastards after being broke out of prison. Yep. Oh, I love that scene where they just come running across, firing at everybody, and they're just kind of like they're standing there. Do you accept? And then you hear, "Well, mm-hmm. that's the last one." <laughs> <laughs> well, that is oh, my so number good. five. I absolutely love him as a character. Yeah, I can watch him. I can watch him every day, man. I can watch that movie all day. Wait, won't be the last time we come to this movie. Nope. What is your number four, sir? Oh, what's your number four? Right, we go that way. My number four is from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
Mr. Cliff Booth, uh, the man who took it to um, a few different people in that movie. Uh, I'm always a fan of anyone that uses a can of dog food as weapons, especially to the effectiveness that he did. Um, <laughs> threw Bruce Lee into a car, denting it really badly. Oh my God. Uh, he was a tough son of a bitch in the movie. Although you also get led to believe that he is a huge asshole and he's got some other flaws. But I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio's character in this movie is extremely good, but he, I feel like, is the most grounded and just most a very well-rounded and made character throughout the whole movie. And just the fact that he goes out, smokes his acid cigarette, comes back, and he's just oh, looking yes. at two people who yes. just broke in. And he's just like, oh, I know you. <laughs> <laughs> The whole the whole bit where he's like, "Are you real? I'm like, as real as a donut, motherfucker." <laughs> and then he just stands there for a second and just starts laughing <laughs> right in his face. The gun is pointed at him because he also know, he's not scared at all this entire time because he knows he's got uh, Brandy right there too, his dog that. That is trained <laughs> perfectly for a situation like this. Oh, I know. Nice big bulldog, man. Not a bulldog, a uh, pit bull. Mm-hmm. I was a friendly looking pit bull. No, I, I, I almost had him on my list because he is he is incredible. The, this, I was thinking about it as I was watching it uh, the other night. You have a flashback within a flashback. In, in the movie because there's the scene where he's on the roof about to fix uh, about to fix Leo's uh, antenna where he's having the flashback to uh, why he's having an issue with the uh, with Randy the uh, the stunt coordinator <laughs> and that's where we see the thing with Bruce Lee but we also see in that flashback the flashback to him on the boat with his wife god damn man <laughs> that goes deeper than inception it's, it's crazy well done tarantino just, I know. <laughs> take that bruce nolan chris nolan god damn bruce it nolan is uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, i'm bruce nolan and that's the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, hey, better than uh, go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> I have more I can say, but I'll save it for a bit. So, well, Steve Carell, that movie, but we'll get to that one another day. Your my, num- my number four is surprisingly the only uh, Samuel L. Jackson on my list here. <laughs> Uh, and this is Steven from Django Unchained. I will definitely say he played that role extremely well. I love Samuel Jackson and I hated him in this movie. Exactly. He plays this part to perfection. Because the thing is, you you don't know exactly what's going on like with him in the beginning. Like, you know that he is definitely 
Monsieur Candy's man. Like he is, he is there for him. He loves him. He's his, he's his servant really to, to put it any other way. Cause of course he does play. Um, he plays pretty much the, the head, the head slave, uh, I guess. He's basically, I believe, housemaster or something like that, or something along those lines. As he runs the coordination of the house and everybody else, right? But he does seem to have a bit of a leeway with Monsieur um, uh, Candy, as you do see at one scene as Monsieur Candy enters. He's sitting in a chair with his legs crossed, well, that's, spinning some. Brandy. Well, that's the whole thing where where he's putting on a show to everyone else, and he can be real with him like they're they're the only two that can be real together so he's able to talk to him it's it's completely like face to face as as a man to man it is completely like watching a character that fakes a limp suddenly just stop doing it when you see the difference between them motherfuckers know each other Right, He's compared like, to like, are, are you sure you want that out here? Exactly. Like, nope, they fucking know each other. He tur- yeah, he turns a switch, and watching him do it is is just it's it's so much fun. And and Jackson actually said recently that this was his uh, his favorite Tarantino character to play. So that's not surprising to me. He did it amazingly. Uh, so my number three uh, is going back to uh, to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I've got Rick Dalton ah, as my number three. I, I was going go, to go Cliff, but Rick just... there. There's a humanity to him that that Leo is able to put out there and, and deliver like nobody else could. The scene... Yeah, where he character has emotion. Yes, the, the the scene after he screws up his lines and he's all mad and he goes into his trailer and just throwing everything around, yelling at himself. Most of that is improvised, and um, it, it's just a great insight into Leo's understanding of the character too. He, it's serious, but it's also funny. Because you have the moment where he's like, uh, where he's yelling at himself about drinking. No, you couldn't stop at, at two or three drinks. No, you had to had, had to have eight. Why'd you have to have eight? <laughs> and then See, he's sitting there sobbing. All right, no more drinking. Uh, just no more drinking. And then he go, pulls out his flask. And goes, no, goes throws the flask out the door. And it's the comedic timing in that is. Oh, it's so good. Then he starts, he looks in the mirror. He starts threatening himself in the mirror. He says, if you screw up these lines again, I'm going to take, I'm going to go home and I'm putting a fucking bullet in your head. <laughs> and he's dead serious. If he, like you see, can tell, he means it. See, the scene that always really makes me connect with him is the one where he's, he's out sitting in the director's style chair with the little girl mm-hmm. and she's like helping him out with his acting. And like afterward, like he, it brings him to tears, like how much it helped him. Well, yeah, because his, his scene with her when uh, when Luke Perry shows up. And uh, rest in peace, Luke Perry. Rest, rest in Your peace. son's an amazing rest of uh, wrestler. He is jungle boy. How about that? Uh, anywho, uh, no, that scene where he throws her on the ground, and you hear the director like, "Give it, give me." Give me evil, sexy Hamlet, smoldering. <laughs> but that whole scene, 
the way you also have to think of it as Leo is playing Rick Dalton, who's playing this this other character, uh, Dakota, or uh, what is it? Dakatu, Dakatu. Uh, <laughs> who's playing Dakatu? And Bruce Dern, man. Well, he's the, no, he's not the director. Yeah, Bruce Dern is the director there. No, Bruce Dern is not the director there. Bruce Dern plays uh, plays Spawn, George Spawn at Spawn Ranch. Oh shit! Right, who's the director? Wow, I don't I don't remember that actor's name, but that's not Bruce Dern. Bruce Dern is <laughs> is George Thinking Spawn. About it, he's wow, damn man, I don't. I messed that one up in my head. Damn. I gotta go back and watch that movie. I, I honestly was thinking for a second, wow, he played both. No, no. His, his, <laughs> his hatred for the hippies, too, is so good. He, he, he could have been on believe, the list. You believe his, his insecurity 100%. And the... Um, he he's all said to give everything up and then he just sees Roman Polanski next door and he's like oh all it takes is being at a pool party with Roman and there you go I'm all set for life and the the twist at the end I it made me so happy dude as soon as they introduced the Manson gang and you found out they were next door neighbors to fucking Roman Polanski I mean, well, I didn't know exactly that, where like, it was going to go. Whole, well, that was but, the whole setup anyway. So, like, knew that was going into the movie. Yeah. But... I also didn't know much about the movie going into it, but I was very happy. Right. It, it's it's one of the few movies that left me feeling good at the end. And I was so nervous going into it because it's one yeah. of those, like, you know the story. You know what happened. And it's like, oh, God, how are they going to do it? Because you spend the whole movie falling in love with Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate. And it's like, oh, God, no, I don't want to see this. I don't want to see her. Instead, uh, they and are then felled. You don't. Yeah. Instead, the group is felled by a dog food can, a dog, and a flamethrower. Uh, the the flamethrower. It just, it's it just it an eye on that acid. In TV. Are you too real? <laughs> yeah, I know you. It was, uh, it was Rex. Or, it was, I'm the devil, and I'm here to do the devil's business. No, I was dumber than that. <laughs> You're been high on acid. You would text. understand that so much. <laughs> oh. It's, it's I could talk about that movie for hours. So go ahead. What's your number three? My number three is back to Reservoir Dogs, and that is going to be Mr. White. All right, go ahead. I'll he claim Mr. Pink claims to be the only professional in the room, but come on, Mr. White is a professional through and through. He just cares about his team more than Mr. Pink does. The only difference is, is he cares so much that he falls into the flaw of getting in with the fucking rat. Gave his name. Oh, come Professionals on. do not give their names. He thought the kid was going to die. And give the a kid, fake name. And the kid, yeah, okay, but fine. He thought the kid was going to die. Fuck it. He killed the kid in the end. Yeah, he deserved it. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I mean, no offense. Cap the rat. 
Yep. Departed taught me that. And this but, movie. Uh, <laughs> I don't get me I mean, wrong. I, I love Harvey Keitel. See, and... that's why I love that role because the whole time he's the one defending him. He's the one like, what the hell's going on? Trying yep. to remain calm for the most part. And in the end, he's the one that gets fucked over mm-hmm. the most. He gave up everything I, for him. Outside of that that's call. Why, <laughs> see, that's why I don't consider him a professional because he got too emotional. That that's the thing. He let emotions become become a part of it, and see, he did not. It it became personal. It wasn't business. It was personal. That's why he's. That's why he's flawed in that sense. Don't get don't get me wrong. That doesn't make him a bad character, or a better or less of a person. I'm not saying that Mr. Pink is better. I'm just saying, in terms of professionalism. He let his heart get into it when he should not have. See, I am more of on the Marine stance there of do not leave a man behind. You need honorable criminals. You can give a criminal your name, and if he is an honorable man, he will not speak it. If he is not an honorable man, he's a fucking rat. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Too many fucking rats in the world, man. But if they all just listen to Joe at the end... Joe knew, you know, or the of Mark Wahlberg's bullet. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I need to know about a rat. Matt Damon's brains on the fucking wall and rug. Yes, yes. (laughs) I think we covered that one already. My number two. Um, We go to Django Unchained as a huge, 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 and I cannot understate this huge fan of revenge and revenge movies and seeing revenge sweetly carried out Count of Monte Cristo it's worth getting through the first hour to see everything else happen but Django of Django Unchained the man who is on a mission and ah see I am the dude that like that's why I love him so much. The entire time he is focused on doing what he wants to do. And at the same time, he is just fuck you. If you get in my way, he will whip you. He will shoot you. And with the German fucking by his side, there is nothing that pretty much he can't do. And even in the goddamn end, he shows up to blow them all to fucking hell. I mean, The toughness of it. The fact that in the end, he tricks the dudes with the dynamite. That I mean, scene was so great. It was, man. I mean, he developed so much throughout that movie where he really, you know, he is a completely he was different person in the yep. end. Yeah. And never would have it, been able to do that at the beginning of the movie. No. And the fact that, like, the German, you know, unfortunately does not make it, but he gets to carry it on. I mean, I know they'll probably never do it, but you could do a Django, too. But yeah. it's nice that he gets the win and he gets to walk off. And believe me, I'm not always a fan of happy ending movies, but when it comes to revenge, walking off right. in the sunset's a good one to you know, have a happy ending for. See, that's another another one in the Tarantino verse where you, you leave feeling happy. And that really only happens in, I'm going to say, actually, you know what? <laughs> It happens more often than you than you think. Yep, Django. Every movie I think we've mentioned so far, except for Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs. 
Yeah, Reservoir Dogs, really, the only one. At least out of the ones I've mentioned, yeah. Yep. Because I would certainly take a, you know, Nazi sergeant getting a, you know, swastika carved into his forehead as a happy ending. Mm -hmm. I mean, most of the people died. Right. But... But they... They knew they were going to. They volunteered for that. Suddenly questioning this is probably more of a bittersweet ending, but I guess it was mission accomplished. Eh. Well, I mean, we'll they didn't about, kill we'll him. We'll talk about that more later. Okay. Your number two, sir. My number two is. Ah. Oh, I can't describe the feeling that I had watching this movie for the first time. This is Kill Bill, parts one and two, The Bride, also known as Beatrix Kiddo. I was not a big fan of this movie. I, you need to watch two, part two. You only watch part one, and part two takes it to another level. And Send me hate mail. Your booze feed me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your booze mean nothing. I see what you cheer. <laughs> uh, oh, the, oh my God. <gasps> oh, wait. No, it's it's Sunday. Rick and Morty returns tonight. I looked at the oh. clock and I saw 6 20, 12 a.m. and I was like, it aired. But no, it's tomorrow. Actually, fuck, is it? Because yeah. I got to check on that. Rick and Morty. Sorry. Anyway. Uma Thurman as the bride in Kill Bill Part 1 and 2. She is... I mean, you're talking about revenge. This is the ultimate revenge. This is more revenge than Django. And See, it wasn't so much that I I don't like the revenge of it. I do like that part. But it, it just got so amazingly overly bloody at the end. Right. Like, I know Part 2 Django, is not like that. I haven't. That's uh, that's what I'm I guess, saying. Okay, I guess I gotta sit down like and watch part two because I have not. I'll part admit one it. is all action, action, action. Part two is the story. But if people get a limb shot off, is it basically like a hose of blood? If it were to happen, yes. So I mean, I know Django that, like. Well, there's a huge bang and blood goes everywhere, and it's still a bloodbath. But, but you, you kind of lose me on the to samurai move to the old samurai movies. It's all everything is just a nod to something else. It's not. I know. I'm just supposed I'm to a be huge, taken seriously. It takes me out of a little bit when it goes from as real as it was, like the realism of it, until it Plus, got so much during that final scene. Think of that movie as being a movie within the universe within the Tarantino universe, because that's what it is. It's a movie that exists inside that world. So that, I, that's, it, it's, it's, it's interesting to think of it in that way, but that, that's kind of how all those movies are done, uh, where there's a, a Tarantino real world and a Tarantino cinema world. And uh, Kill yeah, Bill, as we know by Antonio Margarete e- showing exactly. up as directors in multiple films. Well, that's the thing. Uh, in, no, Antonio Margarita survived, though. I don't think he did. I think somebody used his name, like as like to honor him. I like to would think that he survived because 
he only ever said Antonio. He said he was the only time he said that name was you, in the hall there. But that was and Eli, he never said but that's it again. Eli Roth. Like Eli Roth is the one who plays that character, and he definitely dies. He's got the dynamite strapped to his leg. Not the one that plays. No, that, that's the random no, that's, weird looking guy. No, that's no. Dominic DeCoco. He's Dominic oh, DeCoco. That's right. You're, you're questioning me on Tarantino. Yes. Stuff. Because I haven't seen most of it, so I can question you. <laughs> no, no, that's not how it works. But she. The back to her her training. You get all of her training and her backstory and everything in part two, and it's worth it alone to watch Pai May. Pai May is like he almost made my list. He's in my honorable mentions. Because uh, Pai May is the is the one who taught Bill. He's the one who taught uh, the one who taught uh, Beatrix. Taught L, uh, and. He's he's a no nonsense. Obviously, he hates women, hates Americans, hates just white people in general. So it's like she has a terrible time. <laughs> uh, but she goes through it. She learns. She trains all to be with Bill to be part of the squad, the Deadly Viper Assassination Squad. She works her way to the top. She's Black Mamba. She is the deadliest woman in the world. And she finds out that she's pregnant. And see, Caria, I've given away part two. Uh, yeah, see, if I want to get overly nerdy here, technically the Taipan is the deadliest snake in the world. I didn't say deadliest snake. I well, said but she's I mean, the deadliest if, woman. Yeah, but I mean, if you you can give the name Mamba, it's the idea it's the deadliest snake. It's just turning out the deadliest snake in the world. Well, deadliest snake in America. <laughs> There's no Mambas in America. There's a Mamba in America. They brought one. I, I, that's a dumb idea. Those snakes can be aggressive, man. Well, they also grow up to almost twelve feet. Yeah. I tell you right now, you're gonna watch part Mamba, two. I'm running. Part two. I will watch part two. <laughs> Uh, when you start watching the Clone she, Wars, we already know that we're doing Clone Wars for a curve. Okay, then you need to watch Miracle Workers for this one. No, no another Steve movie. Buscemi this show. It needs to be movies, but There's I want to watch that anyway. Okay. Uh, have any honorable mentions you want to talk about before we get into? Yeah, number I, one? Do, I do. Because um, honestly, there's not a lot of characters in scenes that can really change something that will always, no matter what happens in life, when, when that moment comes up, it always brings you back. And it's the song Caught in the Middle with You, where Mr. Blonde... Stuck in the Middle with You? Is it Stuck in the Middle with mm-hmm. Thank you, sir. Where Mr. Blonde, very sociopathically, dances in front of a man... I I got the feeling that something ain't right. See, I literally just picture him dancing right up to him, cutting that ear off, fucking throwing at him, dousing him in gasoline. But yes, yep. Mr. Blonde. The ear because, talking into his ear. Yep, oh Mr. Blonde on mine. Can you hear me? Oh my God. Dude, but yeah. You done? I mean, you done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Have some fire, Scarecrow. Any then, character that can change something for you in your life. Uh, yeah. Mr. Blonde, yeah, my honorable that, mention. 
yeah, that movie or that scene is ingrained in my mind. And actually, when I showed that movie to my mom for the first time, uh, she still is mad at me when she hears that song because she sees that, that she thinks of that scene. <laughs> mom and glorious bastards. I think out of all his films, she'd like that one the most. <laughs> right, probably. She's nuts, uh, but she certainly is a punch of Nazi of the face. So no, my my other honorable mention I have is from True Romance, uh, and this hmm. is another Brad Pitt character. Yeah, this is Lloyd, just the stoner on the couch uh, that lives with uh, Michael Rappaport. He he plays this stoner role to perfection. <laughs> there's there's a scene where. Uh, they're all they're all going out. Brad's just sitting there on the on the couch, all stoned out, and and he goes, um, and he just says, "Hey, just get some beer and some cleaning products." And, <laughs> <laughs> like, where did where did that come? Where did the cleaning products come from? And James Gandolfini comes in looking for. Um, looking for Patricia Arquette's character and he offers him a hit of his little Gatorade bong. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Another point that like a bunch of the gangsters come in looking for him. So he tells them where they, where they went at the safari, the the safari motel. Oh, the safari. Uh, They were here. And they said they were going to go there, and then they left. So that's what happened. <laughs> and he's <laughs> the deadpan stoner character. He just, if you haven't seen it, watch for that bit alone. Uh, I think we have to put in one more honorable mention, and I think it's one we could both agree on. And I didn't think of this until now, but it's got to be the bear Jew, just from the both of us being from yep. the Boston area. The man who wields his Louisville fucking slugger, Eli Roth. Oh. But that's what I got to say on that. Yeah. Oh, he just knocked it down to fucking Lansdowne Street <laughs> as, as two people who have walked down Lansdowne Street many times where a teddy ball game would hit the ball. Uh, not so much so over the. I mean, he was a lefty, so he wouldn't hit it over left field as much. But I mean, he didn't yes. do it. No, I, I just said as much. I said as much. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, that leads to the number one, and this is a first for our little show here. We each have the same number one for our <gasps> Tarantino characters, and uh, that is true. This is from. The aforementioned Inglorious Bastards. And this is the one of the, I think this is the really the Americans' introduction to Christoph Waltz. And what an introduction it was. As he wins, uh, wins Best Supporting Actor for this. And this, of course, is Hans Landa. Colonel Hans Landa. Yep. The man who had one of the best lines I've ever seen in cinema. And it was, do you speak English? Yes, I do. Would you prefer to continue this conversation in English? Yes. Goodbye, mm-hmm. subtitles. 
Thank you, Tarantino. I that love was that amazing. scene so much. But, he, well, it, but it's also because he knows that they don't understand. They don't, no, there is exactly. a purpose to it, right. which is what makes it so much better. Mm-hmm. But you, I, oh my God, it's another one of those roles where they play it so well that you hate the person so much. At like what? Oh, at, at what point does he know that it's Shoshana? Is it when he's giving her the the cream of that strudel? Does he know at that point, do you think? Yeah, the man's smart enough to know. Right? Is he just playing with her at that point? Because he knows what he's going to do in the end? Or has he yep. made up his mind yet? No. I mean, I don't know if he knew how, how he was going to go about it, but I think he knew what he was going to do. Because he obviously knew, if he knew that it was her, then uh, he also would know that she would be doing something. Yep. So, see, that's you got to see where the plan's going. You can't right. interrupt He's playing in the middle. Yep, two steps ahead. But then, why would he? Ki- why would he kill Bridget? That why kill Von Hammersmark? Because she was a traitor. But so was he. Yeah, but I mean, it makes him look better if he kills the other traitor, because that's like, look, I, oh, wait, he pulls a Lyra, not a Lyra, he pulls a Matt Damon, look, I killed the rat. The rat killed the rat. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a tough call. I don't think he needed to kill her. Well, I don't think he would have betrayed, though, if Germany was going to win. So I think that was probably part of why he killed her. Yeah, but at that point, it it wasn't known. Like he could have, like they didn't know which way it was going at that point. I, I, I don't know. It's it's a tough call with personally that we're getting a little too deep into it. But Tarantino, call us. We have questions. Yeah. Please <laughs> uh, email. But the way he is able to, he's obviously he's known as the uh, the Jew catcher. Uh, or Jew Hunter. Jew Hunter, yes. Not the Jew Kitchen, Jew Hunter. Oh my God. Damn good at his job he is, sadly. Mm hmm. Uh, he, he, of course, is then responsible for uh, like tracking down the bastards with Lieutenant Eldo Rain. Yeah. I mean, he's. He's obviously an extremely influential, extremely good at his job, extremely easily hated motherfucker. Oh, so much hate for this character. So much love. He's it's one of those characters that he is so good at what he does. that You you really have to have almost respect for him while also feeling, you know, Ugh, but oh, what, oh god I can't think of a good word for it there is no obviously hatred <laughs> vile you know it's like uh, you want to see him burn just kind of be like you're good at your job you motherfucker burn right <laughs> I don't know oh, he's done it he just does it so well I mean that role yeah, I don't know yeah. if it was written for him but he nailed it 
It had to have been with all the languages he has to speak in it too. Cause he also, he speaks God. French, German, English, and Italian in, in the movie alone. And the, the whole Italian bit is, is great too. Cause the reason Bridget, uh, like says, Oh, I speak a little Italian. Like, Oh, that'll work. Germans don't have a good ear for Italian. And of course, of course he speaks Italian. Of, well, dude, I mean, technically, if you're high up in German command during that time, you probably should speak Italian considering they're oh, yeah. your allies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, that, yeah, that I would just think that. But obviously, that also puts him a step ahead of everybody. Right, exactly. <laughs> Which he already was. Yeah. But, I mean, it doesn't help, too, when, you know, your inside guy screws up with a hand signal. Mm-hmm. I noticed it right away. Because you studied German, so the second fucking Michael Fassbender screwed that up. Yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) I was honestly, were you kind of thinking for a moment, are they going to mention that? Did you like, for a moment, just like, you saw his eyes. Oh, I German's eyes. Oh, the German looked right at him. And he's like, oh, that that German spotted it. And yeah, I knew. I'm from Northern Germany, mm-hmm. Britain. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, should have Mike great, Myers on this movie. list. <laughs> great yeah. movie. Yes. No, Colonel Sonlander is definitely, I think the best character Tarantino's ever done or possibly at least the best performed character. And Hey, he topped my list. Yeah. Which is hard to do. Fucking Nazis. We went through every single every single character. <laughs> yeah, no, you took a while to do this list, man, because there's been a little bit in between the last podcast. But mm-hmm. I'm proud of you. You got it done. I did. <laughs> oh God! Now I gotta find the All list. Right, find the list. Of yep. Stuff. But now we can roll a d20. Want me to roll a real dice? Uh yeah, go for it. See, where's my... Here we go. My dice right here. D20. Here it is. Hopefully you roll high, man. Hasn't happened lately. It is a 16. 16. Let's see what we got. Yeah. Wait, wait. God damn it. Oh. For some reason the numbers disappeared off the list. Oh no. Oh no. Top five show seasons. All right. So seasons of a show. All right. Perfect. I'm I, I'm excited about this. That will be a good one. Well, we're going to try to get back on our regular schedule. Uh, so hopefully you will be hearing from us uh, Monday evening. Yes. Uh, but yeah, all right. So top five seasons of TV. I know what my number one is. Yeah, I can already imagine it's... Uh, I mean, don't, it, don't give it away. No, I'm not. I mean, I got a trinity of things going through my mind on what I'm going to pick, so... What the hell? Well, I'm not giving yours away. I'm giving mine away. Uh-huh. 
hey, half those people out there probably don't even know what the hell we're talking about. It might be good for them because at least you know. Anyway. Yeah. Let's wrap this up. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Like and subscribe. Be sure to tell your friends about us. This, of course, was a jam-packed episode. We had a lot to get in this time. We had a lot to talk about. Look forward to the next time. And uh, anything else before we go? I bid you adieu. Bye, 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 kids. Have a great, great week.